Well, welcome, friends, to the Victory Point Bible Reading Podcast, where normal, everyday disciples open up the Bible and discuss. We don't claim to be theologians here, but no one ever said you had to be to read and interpret and apply the Word of God to your life. So thanks so much for joining us today, and here's your host. Hello and welcome, friends. It is Tuesday, January 3. This is Dwight Beal, and I'm with Kevin Crawford, and this is the second day of our podcast for 2023. And Kevin, on Tuesdays, we like to learn a little bit of the story. We've learned a little bit about you as you've been preaching and teaching, and but I'm not sure people have heard your, like how you came to Jesus. Yeah. Would you be willing to share that? Yeah, for sure. I grew up in a great home, uh, mostly in Ohio around the Cleveland area. Uh, went to a church, and I don't know if I didn't hear about Jesus, specifically in the gospel, uh, uh, but my brother's four years older than me, and he was involved in a ministry called Young Life, and I was in, he's four years older than me, so he was in high school, and I was a middle school kind of twerked, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, I saw something change my brother. He was huh. fairly kind to me, as brothers can be, <laughs> right. uh, but he was involved in this thing called Young Life and had a great time and went to huh. these camps, yep. and so it's something I wanted to get involved in when I got in high school, mm-hmm. um, be, not because of Jesus, but just because it was fun. Yeah. Not against Jesus, but I didn't affiliate Young Life with Jesus. Right. But there was a guy <clears throat> who was a senior, a guy named Dave Etling, varsity basketball player, uh, who had been praying for me before I even became into high school because he was friends with my brother. And he hung out with me, built a relationship with me, drove me to Young Life and shared the gospel with me my freshman year of high school. Mm. And I fell in love with Jesus and what he mm. had done with me, uh, for me. And Young Life was a huge deal at my high school and that we were discipled. We woke up on Saturday morning, guys. To, to, campaigners. Yeah, campaigners on Wednesday, but Saturday oh, okay. was a group of disciples, okay. uh, guys just growing with a guy named Louis Cataldo, our Young Life leader. And yeah, God just grew me during mm. the high school years. Um, we didn't have any staff people except one person. All of the students were leaders. Hmm. And really, I think there was an awakening at my public high school of about 1,200 kids when there was like 250 to 300 kids wow. going weekly to Young Life. Huh. Um so yeah, and then actually out of that, some of us were going to the local college to continue to start Young Life at new high schools. So yeah, God just used relational ministry, a guy yeah. named Dave Atlane, who actually is still on staff with, well, not still, but eventually went on staff with Young Life. Yep. So he's on staff today. So yeah, God just used the way of Jesus through life-on-life disciple-making. Yep. So yeah, thanks for and asking. That's- something that Kevin and I have in common. Yeah. I came to Christ the Young Life as well. That's right. You, yep. Yeah, you went to Trail West, right? Uh, I went or, to Frontier Ranch. Frontier, that's right. Yep. Yep. In uh, Buena Vista, Colorado. Yeah. And a guy named Mike Rinker uh, was the leader. And there was no Young Life at, at my local high school. Uh, and so my mom did a little homework because my older brother, Dana, <laughs> uh, went to, okay, it's in it's Manitou, or it's in uh, North Manitou Island. Okay. Uh, no, Malibu. Sorry. Yes, Mal- oh, yeah. Well, Vancouver. Mal- Vancouver. Yeah. Yes. So a couple of years prior, Dana had gone to Malibu. Oh, wow. And I kind of saw a change in him yeah. as well. And when we moved to Michigan, my mom just kind of, or mom and dad, I'm sure my dad was involved too, they just did their homework and found the nearest Young Life chapter, which was in Midland, about 40 minutes from where <laughs> we lived. And so I hopped on a bus with that team oh, wow. and went to Colorado and and... And I had heard about Jesus many, many times, but it it never went from my head to my heart. Right. 
but it was yeah. at that camp mm-hmm. that all of a sudden it, it dropped down into my heart and yeah. I realized, whoa, I, I need Jesus. Yeah. I need a savior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I worked at that camp in one summer. I did washed, you? I washed dishes at Frontier Ranch oh, for a whole- that's awesome. For a whole month in the pits. Yeah. So they, they call it, so. Yeah. Well, cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, thanks for asking. So our Bible reading today is also out of Matthew. Well, all the Bible readings in yes. the next few, for how many weeks or months? Through July-ish. Wow. Okay. So we're going to be hanging out in Matthew. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so today is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And Kevin yeah, has agreed to read, read that. Yep. So this is out of the NIV translation. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw the star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so I too may go worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream, Warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route or route. <laughs> Depending on whether you were from Canada or... Right. <laughs> so that's God's word. Mm. So last podcast, we talked about, hey, Jesus is born as king. Mm-hmm. And then right here, we see another king, mm-hmm. King Herod. Mm-hmm. So um, what jumps out to you in this story as Matthew writes this, Dwight? Well, clearly King Herod is threatened. Yeah. And I've had a chance to go to Israel and, and go to the Herodian yeah. and learn a little bit about Herod. And he was kind of a power-hungry dude yeah. and very paranoid and very insecure so when he heard word from this magi, which we'll, I'd love to talk a little bit more about in a minute, that a king was going to be born, clearly he was not ha- having that. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, from the Herodian, one of his houses, many of houses, mm-hmm. you can look down and see Bethlehem yep. at a distance. Yep. Yeah. It, uh, one of... Ray Vanderlaan's teachings is that when Jesus was born in a stable in Bethlehem, it was literally in the shadow of Herod Mm -hmm. because the Herodian was not too far away and cast a shadow on Bethlehem. You know, it's this man-made mountain. Yeah. 
that he constructed for his own glory and security. Right. Um, and was buried there. Was and was buried there. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, he was quite the uh, power-hungry king and was very threatened. Um, but about this Magi. So have you ever wondered... Maybe you've you've done some. Have you ever done any research into this? Like, who well, are these guys? Well, one we know that they're not showing up the night Jesus is born. Okay, you know because they've traveled some distance to come here, so they're right. not they're not showing up like, you know, as you know things are wrapping up after the birth of Jesus, and they like just, all of our nativ- nativity. Yeah, well, scenes. yeah, they're not showing up there right there. It it, it might have been some time before mm-hmm. they showed up um, because they were traveling there. Um, so I don't know, you know, there's speculation, mm-hmm. there's no concrete. Were mm-hmm. they, you know, astrologers? Mm-hmm. Were they, um, did they have anything to do with even the Jewish people? Mm-hmm. Um, or were they just, uh, seekers of a new King? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a little bit of a mystery. Uh, but we, what we do know is they, they worship. They're going there, and they they've come to worship Jesus. Right. So they say that. Uh-huh. Herod then says, I'm, "I want to go worship." And in my notes, I go, "Liar!" Yeah, right. <laughs> you know. And then they do when they come to Jesus, they worship. Now, is that they bow down? Are they reverent because he's the Emmanuel, mm-hmm. or are they reverent because he is King of the Jews, a mm-hmm. a King? So. We don't know what what we do know is they're reverent to him, and in, in contrast to Herod, who wants to kill Jesus, we'll right. see that in the next podcast or so. Right. Um, so yeah, well, I um, I don't know if they're we need to know exactly who they are, mm-hmm. um, but they they do come to pay homage to this newborn king. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be a good lyric. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> it would. Somebody should write a Christmas hymn about that's it. That's right. Um, you know, but there is this, it's the beginning of Matthew and there's this clash of two kings, you know, yeah. actually, if you trace the Herod, you know, the lineage of Herod, it goes back to Esau. Does it really? Yes. And Jake and Jesus has goes back to Jacob. So the, there's this, there is a cosmic clash. Come on now. Of Jesus coming into the world with wow. Herod. So it's, it's not just this clash of, of, um, who's king, which is true, mm-hmm. Herod's concerned with his earthly power, but there is there's something going behind the curtain, if you yeah. want to say, in the spiritual realm yeah. of of these lineages mm-hmm. and who this king Jesus is compared to Herod as king. Right. Um, so Matthew's weaving this story together and bringing these, as I said in the last podcast, connecting the dots. Mm-hmm to show this picture of yeah. who the Messiah, the Christ really is. Yeah, that's awesome. So so this Christmas Eve, yeah. I was with Betsy and her mom, Kay. And Kay is uh, a beautifully wise, uh, loves the word of God, studies the word of God. Um, and we did a little Bible study on this passage Beautiful. that night. And she brought some things to light that I have never hmm. known about. And... But I have always wondered, how did the Magi know that the star symbolized that the Messiah had been born, hmm. right? Yeah. Because it seemed like they, they said, we saw the star in the east, so we came to worship. 
well, how in the world did you know that that star, you know? So um, this is at least a, a plausible explanation yeah. that goes all the way back to, so Balaam and Balak. Hmm. So this is back in Numbers chapter 22 and 24, way back in the Old Testament, where uh, Balak is, is the king of Moab and Balaam is this, he's not a Jew, but he's this wise man, almost like a prophet kind of from the East, Hmm. right? And Balak's like, curse Israel. I want to, I'm going to hire you to curse Israel because I'm, I feel threatened by them and they're getting too big. And so Balaam says, all right, I'll, I'll curse Israel, but then he can't do it. Yeah. All he can do is speak blessings over Israel, right? And in Numbers 24, 17, the words of Balaam are, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And so Kay, my mother-in-law, believes that uh, this may have become part of of the religious or spiritual folklore Hmm. of of those people around that time. Uh, The people of the East. Yeah. Right? So hundreds, centuries later, when these wise men saw the star, they may have triggered it back to these prophetic words of Balaam. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry if I bored you just now, but if you like to nerd out on Bible study stuff, um, look it up, Numbers 24, 17. Uh, Anyway, it's such a cool scene that these uh, people from the East came to worship. And as Kevin said, yeah, there's clearly right from the get-go a clash of kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as Matthew weaves this story together, um, eventually, especially you know, coming in a few weeks, we'll, we're going to hit the Sermon on the Mount, which is you know, application in our face, if you want right. to say, you know, <laughs> right? You know, and, and not every passage is saying now obey this, mm-hmm. um, but some passages paint uh, what I say paint a picture of Jesus more and more on the canvas of our heart. Yeah. And so what is something that's maybe painted on the canvas of your heart, Dwight, about who Jesus is or what God's doing in the story uh, that causes you to love him more, to adore him more, uh, maybe from this part of the narrative? Yeah. Well, to me, this is a no-brainer. Verse 11 just jumps out at me big time. And verse 11 is, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And I did a little research on that, and that's the first time the word worship is used Hmm. in the New Testament. And and the word is proskuneo, which... Uh, translated into English is literally to bow down, Mm. you know, or to kiss toward, you know. Uh, And here's these magi bowing down before Jesus. Um, And then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. So to me, I I just love the picture of worship. I love that it's a picture of humility, Mm -hmm. Um, that part of worship is just getting low in the presence of the king, Right. And part of worship is presenting to him what we have, mm-hmm. you know, and whether it's super valuable or whether we don't deem it to be super valuable. But I mean, I know this isn't scriptural, but the little drummer boy, you yeah. know, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have anything, but yeah. but he could play a drum, 
Right. You know, so he brought that to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I love verses 11 and 12 of just this early picture of, of worship. Yeah. Which I think I would say I continue to grow in. And I think we as human beings, especially in the West, have a growing reality of what does it mean to bow down to mm -hmm. something? Because mm -hmm. uh, we're like, oh, bow in your hearts. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, true, yet. Yes, but <laughs> you know, is, like, is there more? Is there more? Yeah. You know, um, and there's not many things in our technological information age that take our breath away. Mm-hmm. And how do we recapture that and mm -hmm. revisit that and remember and have an intimacy that um, we can't conjure up, but causes us to bow down. And so mm -hmm. I think it's how do we just get that picture of Jesus more and more imprinted on our hearts yes. and brains yep. that then it moves into our hands, if you want to say the action yes. of, of, of prostration. Right. And, um, I, and I have found, yes, we can't conjure up a feeling in our heart necessarily. Right. But when we put our bodies into a posture of worship, I do think, for me anyway, yeah. it, it helps to inform my mind of this is what I'm doing and this mm -hmm. is why. And it actually helps to inform my heart. Yeah. You know, to feel what I want to feel towards Jesus, you know, when I get into whether, uh, whether it's bowing down or whether it's lifting your hands or whether it's singing at the top of your lungs or whatever it is. These physical things, I think, are very intentional uh, to help lead our hearts mm -hmm. in the right direction. Right. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's preparation. Like, you know, they were they were traveling, and they got to the places that they were overjoyed. So it's this anticipation, expectation. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe we need to have that more when we come to the scriptures, we come to a worship service, we, you know, s sit silently in prayer. We need mm -hmm. to have this anticipation. Mm-hmm that what we are about to do is um, to encounter God in a more intimate way. We encounter him in everyday stuff of life, but this intentionality yeah. that we have to lead us in a, a heart of worship. So, Anything else that you would add in terms of something to obey or believe? No, I think it's, you know, it's another dot connected yeah. that shows us that Jesus is the real king. Mm -hmm. Um and you know we don't have time to extrapolate, but he, his kingship challenges my kingship, mm. which goes back to the garden challenging mm. Herod's kingship. Mm. Like I want to hold the crown. Yeah, I want to rule my life. Herod feels threatened by that. He's going to do everything he can to get rid of this king, um, and I have a tendency to do that as well. In to my be own threatened heart, as well. To be threatened by Jesus wanting to to rule and reign over every nook and cranny of my life. Yes. In submission to him. Yeah. So, well, that's enough for today. <laughs> yeah. And friends, we're all on that journey together. Yeah. So hopefully this passage will encourage all of us to, uh, to bow the knee and to surrender uh, every facet of our lives to him. See you tomorrow. Well, thank you for joining us today for the Victory Point Bible Reading Podcast. We hope that today's conversation was helpful for you and encourages you in your daily walk with God. If you have any questions or thoughts to share with us, please email us at info at victorypoint.org. We would love to hear from you.